Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. If the incoming information supports that expectation then um, our statement indicates that December would be um, a live possibility, but importantly, that we've made no decision about it. Janet Yellen has lit the firework under market expectations for a December rate rise. Last week, the Federal Reserve Chair surprised the market with a hawkish view about the US economy and decided not to worry anymore about global developments. And on Wednesday, in describing a December rate rise as a live possibility, she said the US economy was performing well. So what could possibly go wrong? Is the year going to end in a rate hike bang or a whimper? With me to discuss this is Kit Jukes, global strategist at Societe Generale. Kit, it wasn't so long ago, was it, that the tone of the Fed was decidedly downbeat? I mean, you remember, don't you, all the worries... They expressed about China, a strong dollar, global deflation. So what we've been hearing in the last 10 days is a pretty rosy view of events. So what is there to support that? The US economic data, to be fair, has continued to be good. But just in the last week, the purchasing managers indices in the United States, particularly for services, were very strong. But more than anything else, it's financial markets. And I think here, you know, we could criticize the Fed for being oversensitive to markets, but Chinese equity markets up 10%. The currencies wobble and the concerns about it that started in August uh, and were still around in September have melted away completely at the moment. The US equity markets higher. Everything seems fine. And so, yeah, it seems that the hierarchy at the Fed would like us to start preparing ourselves to getting used to the idea that they might be raising interest rates in December, unless anything else goes wrong. Yes, and you actually think the the reaction to this hyping by the Fed has actually been quite calm, and uh, that plays into the Fed's hands. Yes, I mean, I think, you know, what the Fed would most like to achieve would be a rate hike that had no adverse market reaction at all. And what all of us are concerned about is that, you know, waiting and delaying and delaying and waiting and finding another excuse not to act meeting after meeting just means that the eventual rise is more dramatic. So today, when I look at the the comments we got from the Fed, the most recent data that we've had from them, uh, the rise in short-dated US yields, uh, when I see that uh, that equity markets are uh, unbothered, that the dollar's stronger, uh, but it's stronger against the yen and the euro. It's not dramatically stronger against emerging market currencies. So I think they're getting away with it. If, if, we, if we could all just relax, <laughs> then we're OK. Which we weren't doing at the various points this year, were we? We were getting very excited. We have a very big you know, dollar bull run. Uh, and so some of the, the boredom about talking about <laughs> this, this inevitable rate hike is having a, a dampening effect on reaction. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I say, you know, if we don't care about the rate hike, it can yeah. finally happen. And then we'll find that, you know, really, the world won't end if, if the, you know, the cost of overnight money from the Federal Reserve is 37 and a half basis points. So, OK, that's one view of the, the world. The other came from the Bank of England and Governor Mark Carney, 
who, in its in quarterly inflation report, started to express worries about the outlook for global growth, said it was weakening, it was worried about emerging markets, it pointedly talked up concerns about China, which the Fed clearly wasn't doing last week. So we've got this rather strange divergence. We once had a dovish Fed, we now have a hawkish Fed. We once had a hawkish Bank of England, we now have a dovish Bank of England. Kit, what's going on? Part of me wonders whether Mark Carney got the memo about the double-digit equity market gains since September when both central banks were concerned about China. I think in part the UK is more sensitive to the global downturn through Europe. So for any given slowdown in China, the way it feeds through to Germany, the way it feeds through into the UK economy um, is going to be greater than the US. And we're a small, open economy that can be buffeted by global events. So there's a bit of that. But frankly, I am surprised, given that, again, this week the UK data has been robust. We have a tighter labour market than the United States, as far as I can see. And I would have thought we have good reason to be thinking about raising interest rates, perhaps as soon as the Fed does. And Mr. Carney is, is definitely allowing us to push our expectations of the first rate hike yes, he was way say- out. He was saying, wasn't he, that it was going to be the end of the year when a rate hike was conceivable, wasn't he? So that's clearly, clearly changing in the language. Yes. And then people like me would have expected to the inflation report and the press conference in particular after the meeting to have been an attempt at dragging expectations of the first hike, sort of not to the end of this year, but, but you know, into the first half of 2016. No attempt, as far as I've been able to see, to do that at all. So quite comfortable with a market that's pretty relaxed that the UK won't see a rate rise until well after the US. Despite what we know, despite everything we know about the, the strength of the housing market, the strength of the underlying economy, and say, and pretty clear signs to, to my mind that there's less slack in the UK economy than there is in the United States. Yeah, I mean, was the BOE playing the same kind of game that other central banks have played about the worries about the strength of its currency and the impact on exporters? Is that what it's trying to do, talk down sterling? Maybe. They've got, in some ways, a, a decent case for wanting to do so just because the UK trades with Europe mostly, which is a, a weak economic area, and the currency's gone up a lot against the euro. So in trade-weighted terms, sterling's very strong, even when it doesn't look that strong against the dollar. I think it's playing with fire to talk down sterling too much because if we start moving to next year, if the economy does slow somewhat, and if we start talking about Brexit too much again, exactly, <laughs> then um, then I think you could get more sterling weakness than you particularly wanted if you encourage it. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the takeaway without a doubt is if we're going to converge monetary policy more towards the Europeans and less towards the Fed, then the pound is against the euro pretty expensive. Okay, so two big set-piece events already this week, but probably the biggest one to come on Friday with the crucial release of non-farm payrolls, which have had a nasty surprise element in the past, in the last month, which uh, which clearly put off expectations. Those expectations of rate hike are now back on. I mean, what's your take on what the reaction was last month and what might happen tomorrow? Well, last month's increase was a smaller increase than people expected. Though it was It was within one standard deviation of the average of the last few years, which means that, you know, it's really just noise. There was a 30% chance this would happen, nothing terribly untoward. I think the US economy is generating jobs at a rate of give or take 2% per annum, enough to generate GDP growth of 2 point something percent per annum, which is about all the US economy can manage. Uh, but that's enough to get the unemployment rate falling. It's been falling at 1% per annum. We don't know where it has to fall to for wage growth to pick up. That's just a big unknown uh, that we all sit there. But I'm looking at last month's numbers, and I thought, I thought the reaction was was a bigger reaction than the data warranted, given they were weaker than expected. But yeah, this is a volatile series. Crudely, 
part of me thinks that having had a surprisingly weak number off an average of 200,000 or so, um, the odds favour a higher than 200,000 number this month. It, it's obviously, that's not how averages work, yeah. but... Consensus um, is at 180. Yeah. What, what, what do you think the market reaction would be if it was 150? I, I don't think as negative as last month. I think the, 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 the word music from, from the Fed is clearer this time around. But, and again, you know, what would we do? In practice, we've got another payroll number before the Fed yes. meeting in December. So we'll have another month to talk about it. Uh, the wage numbers as well, don't forget them. We're going to have to look and see what wage growth is doing. Any pickup will be grasped on by the people who want the Phillips curve to survive. We've got lots to focus on. The unemployment rate, if it falls, is important. But I think the number would have to be weaker than last month to really get people turning around and saying, look, this economy's losing momentum, particularly given what we've seen from, say, from the, uh, the purchasing managers surveys this week, which on the services side are pretty strong. So we are going to end the year with a bang then with a December rate hike, you think? Oh, I don't know. How, could I possibly, I don't know. How many times have I sat here thinking that uh, the next meeting they might go? Um, I think there's a chance. I think it's still very close to 50-50 at this point in time. And, and there's more data to come. The, the Fed, I think, have shown us in all seriousness, that it doesn't take much, given the lack of inflationary pressures, for them to uh, decide that doing nothing is the safer course. Uh, so it wouldn't take much to talk them back. But they're certainly trying to get us ready for the idea in the hope that they could create a situation where raising a rate wasn't too much of a big pre-Christmas bang. Okay. We shouldn't forget this is this is about forex this this podcast. Uh, we should mention the euro and the ECB, pretty much on the road towards further easing. Uh, what does this mean for where the euro is heading? Do you remember we used to talk about parity at the start of the year? Are we now talking about that again? Yeah, I think we're talking about parity eventually. I don't think that's gone away. It's just that the pace of monetary policy divergence is slow enough now. Whatever the Fed does, they're not going to get high enough to get us there quickly. I, I think parity comes later. It comes, but it does come in 2016. But possibly, but it's all getting pushed out in my mind. The low level for the euro, to my mind, is now much more likely to be in 2017 than 16, let's put it okay. that way. Right now, the more, the more important central bank is the ECB. You know, the Mario Draghi's hint, promise, suggestion that we could get another cut in rates to more negative interest rates and more quantitative easing took 5% off the euro pretty efficiently. Yeah. If the Fed delivers, so if we get more negative rates in Europe and a rate hike in the United States, then we could retest the lows and get down below 105 again. I don't think we, that's enough. I think we need to get beyond this first US move and one more move in Europe to really change the game. And I do have some doubts that having successfully got the currency lower by hinting at more negative rates in Europe, that maybe Mr. Draghi will save some of his ammunition now. Does this smell like another risk-on market right now? R right now it does. I mean, investors have wanted to get risk onto their books for the fourth quarter. August was super was a super quarter for, yeah. for global markets. You can see, you know, high beta currency, the Indonesian rupiah, started October extremely strongly. Coming in now, you know, people are buying, have they bought the Turkish lira back after the election? They're looking at, uh, at oil prices, trying to see if they can summon some enthusiasm. And yes, and currencies that are relatively weaker uh, in that environment, the yen's a little bit weaker and you can see it. It does feel as if the currency markets would like to be short G3 long something, not with monstrous confidence or conviction, yep. because we've, you know, just because things are a bit better just for now in China doesn't mean we won't come back. And because oil prices are, they're not sort of roaring higher. And we're still getting negative surprises. For example, you know, a disappointing milk auction in New Zealand and the it's currency cool, yeah. loses its strength pretty quickly. So I think it's a bit messy, but the underlying tone that the, the positions people want to put on, I think most people are trying to add risk. 
And euro is a funding currency? The euro is now clearly, to my mind, a funding currency. It does well when the world's a scary place, and it does badly. The, the worst thing for the euro as a currency is the combination of rising US Treasury yields, falling European yields, and markets happy overall. That, that's what sends it down, which today, that's what we've got. The way traders might trade um, the central banks, uh, Kit, what's your trading advice with how these central banks are talking? I think we're supposed to remember first and foremost to trade what the central banks indicate that they're going to do as opposed to what we individually think they should do, unless they phone you up and say, do you want to be on our central bank committee? But there are central banks. Sweden's is a good example with an economy that's booming, a currency that's cheap, uh, very cheap on fundamental basis now. Uh, about all I can do is go there and, and enjoy it whenever it's sunny. There isn't a good currency trade until they change. And trying to double guess when they'll move their policy is quite hard. So trade the central bank as opposed to what you think they should do and then figure out when they're going to change their minds. And, and also beware, there is part of me still that, that coming back to the Fed that says there are two camps in the Fed. This week, we've had strong data and we've heard from one camp. I'm going to keep at least one ear open to the thought that you know, the other guys might have their say next week. Yes. Well, we will listen out for that, Kit. Thank you very much to Kit Jukes at SockGen. If you have thoughts about FX or this podcast, please email me on roger.blitz, B-L-I-T-Z, at ft.com. And you can keep up to date with all the major Forex news and analysis on our website, ft.com forward slash FX. We look forward to your company next week for Hard Currency Podcasts. Do join us then. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you might also like to try our Alpha Chat podcast presented by me, Cardiff Garcia, where each week FT writers, bloggers, and their invited guests will have a wonky, funny, and occasionally even irreverent chat about topics related to the financial markets and economics. Check it out at ft.com forward slash podcasts. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.